We believe that. Amen. Amen. Hey, welcome to Life Community Church. My name is Brett Machad. It is good to be here with you all. On this next song we're going to sing, it's called La Victoria, or Every Victory in English. Uh, and before we sing it, we wanted to just read the chorus, read the lyrics of the chorus in English and Spanish. So I'm going to read. We just want you guys to reflect and really internalize what these words mean. It reads, one name, one name holds every victory. Aquel que tiene la victoria. And one voice that silences the enemy. La voz que habla con autoridad. And one king who reigns for all eternity, Jesus. Aquel que reina por la eternidad, Jesús. Amen. Amen. So as we sing this song, let's point our eyes and our hearts to the cross. The cross that Jesus died on, but the cross that he rose from. The grave that he rose from three days later. And there is victory in that. Amen. All right, let's think about that. And God, we lift our voices to you and to you alone this morning. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this love that you have shown us, God, and we ask that you help us to show that same love to those around us. God, we're thankful. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. What a privilege. What a, man, what a blessing to, to sing together and to sing out in one voice together, even in, in different languages, to, to just lift God up. And, you know, I will, I, it's a cure for losing an hour of sleep, right, last night, to be together and to worship. So it's a, it's a blessing. Um, I'm Dan. I'm the lead pastor here. I'll introduce this guy in a second. Um, if you're new around here, we'd love to know more about you. Uh, you can go to mylcc.info, and there's a connect card there to fill out, and uh, it's just really helpful to us for us to know you and for you to know us as well. Um, a couple announcements we just want to give before we move on. And Next Sunday, we're going to be doing something we do usually once a quarter. Uh, we have a group Sunday where we actually spend part of the time here in the auditorium, and then we spend part of the time in, in small groups. And it's another chance for us to invest and get to know other people in this body. Um, so we're excited for that. We got great things planned for next week. Um, all right, the second thing is this guy is up here for two. And next, what are you doing? What are you doing here? Getting ready. What's getting ready for what? For the poker night. The poker night? Yeah. Oh, we're not even playing poker. I know. Okay. This is Ryan, uh, Ryan Shep. A lot of you know Ryan. Uh, we are doing next Friday night, we're having a guy's night at church at 630, and it's going to be a great time. Um, if you're a guy, come out. It's March Madness weekend, so we'll have, yeah, yeah. Uh, Buckeyes, sorry. <laughs> I was hoping. Um, we'll have TVs up, of course, and everything, but we're going to do something at the beginning together as, as guys, and then we're going to just kind of take over the building doing different things. We'll have games going on, and you can hang out. You can watch games and, or play games or whatever you want to do. So it's exciting. Yeah. It's Looking forward to it? Yeah, yeah. So some of the details. Yeah. So 6.30, right? mm -hmm. 6.30, Friday night, this mm -hmm. Friday. Uh, so we're going to do a Euchre tournament. Mm -hmm. All right, Euchre. Euchre. Uh, we're going to have some basketball in the back. Uh, do mm -hmm. we have waivers for that? Uh, I think we're good so okay. far, yeah. I'll check, uh, check pickle on Pickleball, same waiver, should cover that. And then uh, <laughs> we're also going to have board games out in the lobby. Uh, it'll be $10. Um, it's going to help pay for pizza and pop uh, the night of. And then uh, the rest of the money we use as gift cards and as people come to the church, um, we'll hand those out. So. And I will tell you, that happens actually quite often. We... <laughs> The last guys now, we had a big stack of gift cards from it, and people come to the door pretty often here, and sometimes we send them to the food pantry because they have ongoing food needs, but often uh, there are people who need gas, food, or groceries immediately, and so we were able to hand those things out, um, and the guys' night has provided that in the past for, for a, quite a while, so we're hoping um, for that as well. So where can people sign up? Yeah, I had to call Brett this morning because I didn't remember uh, if okay. you go to mylcc.info, <laughs> there's a sign up there. Uh, if you yeah. can let us know, we need to know how much pizza and stuff to order. So you can yeah. sign up this week. And that really helps us. And you can pay. I think you can pay online, too, uh, on yep. the registration as well. Okay. So those that's this Friday, right? This Friday night, start of March Madness, 630. Okay. Good, good, good. Uh, all right. That's it. I, I, what I'm going to do now is we're going to invite 
Some of the team who went to Honduras, they just got back last weekend. They're gonna come up and share a little bit. So come on up, you guys. And we're gonna hear some about their trip and some of what we can pray for for Honduras. Yes, thank you, Dan and Ryan. Ryan, I'm so proud of you, man. You nailed it. Mouseseed.info. It's harder than it sounds. But uh, before we share about Honduras, uh, there's one thing that we, we almost forgot to do. Almost, but yes, yeah, maybe we did forget. Uh, kids, thank you so much for worshiping with us. It has been great having you here, but kids, it is time for you to head out to Kids Life. So it looks like we've got Shayla, we got JR at our doors. We will see you after the service. Go have a fun time. All right. Hello. I have one extra microphone. I'm going to give it to you, Allie, and you guys can, you guys can share that. I did not go on the Honduras trip, uh, but I was able to talk with Rachel Bidwell, who's not here, uh, a little bit. And there are just some things that we wanted to share, um, some specific things about the Honduras trip. But instead of, you know, hearing it from me, I figured it would be good to hear from people that actually went. So first question for both of you, in, in I'd say like maybe 30 seconds to a minute, and for you as well, Ben, if you want to talk. How was it? I know that's kind of a big question, but like, how was the experience for you guys? Um, it was amazing. It's beautiful there. The team that we worked with was awesome. Um, they're the type of people that you feel like you've known forever. Like when we left, I was sad. I kind of got teary-eyed saying goodbye. Like they were just a really great group of people. Um, there was a lot more people who came during backpack days because we had photographers, we had people who were registering the kids, um, we had translators, um, so there was probably maybe 30 of us those two days, I think, um, including the Sours for Pastors um, team and our team, so there's the big picture that you see is all lined up in the grass, that was the team that we had for the backpack weeks, um, but it was beautiful, and um, I really enjoyed it, it was my first time going, and Ben's first time going and Rich's first time going, so oh, nice. we all enjoyed it. Yeah, um, it was very encouraging. The uh, the folks down there that we were working with from the ministry down there, they really got solid connection with the Lord. Um, yeah, yeah, they're they're trusting the Lord to take care of their their struggles in life, and uh, with the poverty down there, there's some real issues. Um, we saw some very tiny homes, like 10 by 10 feet, concrete blocks with tin roofs and no windows. I mean, they had windows, but there's no glass. So the bugs are free to come in and go out. Um, yeah, but yeah, the backpack thing is a very effective outreach to the schools. That's not just the Christian kids, that's the, the kids in these schools. and. Um, yeah, we're, we're definitely opening doors for the gospel with that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And if you're new here or maybe you've only been coming here for a couple of weeks or maybe you're joining in online, uh, just to give you a little background, there's a ministry called Sours for Pastors located in Honduras that we uh, have helped support for many years. Uh, and so it's kind of become a rhythm of once, sometimes twice a year, we'll send a team down, usually in uh, July, and then a team in, when was it? February? February. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> February. Uh, and, and we do things like we sponsor a lot of the kids uh, around there, and we're actually going to get more into details uh, with that, and we have more details about how you can be praying for them, but just wanted to give you guys uh, a little bit of background information. Um, if you've been here for the last month and a half or so, you might remember that a little bit ago, we were asking money for paint, for painting supplies. That was one of the requests that the team down in Honduras asked for, and we were able to raise enough money. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about what the, the painting experience was like and, and how it went? Um, the painting was very tiring. It took two <laughs> days. Um, so we painted the upper school, so it's four classrooms, and we did three of the four. So we did the three smaller ones plus the outside of the buildings. The fourth room, um, there was still a lot of scraping that needed to be done. Um, Rich did a lot of that with two of the teachers that um, work at the school. Um, we had fun with it. As you can see, we had fun with it. But um, it was a labor of love, um, and it took 
all of us to get it done. Um, Ben had fun the first day, and then the second day, he's like, I don't want to (laughs) paint anymore. That's a lot. So he played soccer for most of it, and uh, the kids really enjoyed having him there. (laughs) Um, There was kids around all the time, mostly seeing where Ben was and what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we had fun with it, and it was definitely a labor of love. We left some of the paint and primer that you guys helped pay for and um, brushes and stuff so that the teachers and some of the locals could finish up the fourth room that we didn't get to. Yeah, um, Ben was a vital part of this operation. Uh, (laughs) Yes, he wasn't painting the second day, but he was hanging out with the kids and he was making connections with these kids and that, that was really important. So those of you who are brainstorming about maybe taking your kids with you down there. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> it worked. We could use the help. We could use the help. That's awesome. Well, in, in talking about the kids down there, you know, a big thing that we talk about when we bring up Honduras and Sours for Pastors is we talk about sponsorships. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to ask you guys, you know, what was it like sponsoring a kid? Were you actually able to see the kids that you sponsor? I saw all four of them and met two of their families. Um, for me, it's something that it doesn't seem like a big deal when you're packing the backpacks, you know, go to the dollar store, Target, and buy a few little things like the Hot Wheel cars and, you know, nail polish and stuff. Um, they actually recognized me before I recognized them. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the parents, I send pictures down of my family when I send the backpacks, and I forget what I put in them because it takes six months for them to get there. So um, I don't remember what's there. Um, but the one of the, my parents actually came up to me and recognized me from our picture before I knew they were there. Mm-hmm. And going to their house and just seeing the relief of having that taken care of, it's they don't have to worry about that because it's a lot of money there and they don't have a lot of money. Um, so being a relief to them and something that costs a lot, and it's not just backpacks that we're passing out. They get brand new shoes for the school year. They get fitted for the shoes. They get registered. They get their, you get your updated fix pictures and all the updated information for the kids. And it's not just the kids who enjoy it. Like the parents seeing the joy on their face that their kids are happy and actually get a little bit of something um, was really a big deal. And um, they're really excited. Not just the kids excited, but the parents are excited. And we actually ended up signing up I want to say close to 80 new kids oh, wow. between the two schools. It was close wow. to 80. And overall, I think we passed out, it was close to 800 backpacks oh between the two wow. schools. Um, so there was a lot of kids. Um, there's one picture, if you saw the sea of people, that was the second day, and there was close to 400 kids and families who showed up for that day. So there is a need. There, there is, is a, need. a need, yes. Yeah. Um, a very big need, and it seems small to us, but to them, it's the hugest deal, and just seeing how grateful the kids, not just the kids, but the parents are, they're, I, I know my families were saying how big of a blessing mm. it is, not just for us, but for what the whole church is doing and what the Sours are doing, mm. um, so it was really humbling to see that. Yeah, it made it more real seeing them face to face, and they were so gracious, great, grateful, I mean, um, yeah, really good to meet the, the families. <laughs> yeah. A lot of hugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a very huggy culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, you know, I know we say it a lot, but th- there's, a, there's a huge need. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys were just there, and... You guys might have seen it. You might not have seen it when you came in this morning, but we actually have a couple of tables with um, some pamphlets and brochures uh, of kids that need sponsored, these kids that, that they saw. Um, it's crazy. I remember a story from, I think it was either last summer or two summers ago, when I, I asked offhandedly to somebody who had just gotten back, I said, did you see Junior? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, wait, really? And they're like, yeah, is that your kid you sponsored? I'm like, yeah, it just... Sometimes it can feel like there's such a disconnect between what we really do for these kids, but these are real kids that really need help. 
Um, and so we want to encourage you guys, even if you already sponsor a kid, to just go check out the table uh, one more time. Um, and because we don't, don't have too much time left, we're going to quickly talk about uh, Pastor Marvin. You've, you've probably heard that name a couple of times if you've been around here for a little bit. Uh, but here's Rachel with him. And Rachel actually gave me a whole list of ways that we can be praying for him. Um, and I'm not going to share all of them right now. Uh, but he needs prayer, him and his family. He is one of the pastors that uh, Sours for Pastors has equipped um, to share the gospel in the, in the surrounding villages. Um, and so he is somebody that we can really lift up in prayer, and we're going to take a moment this morning to pray for him. Um, but alongside of him, just the Sowers, uh, Alan uh, and his wife Trish and their whole ministry, uh, it has been going through a lot of growing and a lot of change uh, this past year. And so kind of like Pastor Marvin, there's a whole list of ways that we can pray for them. Um, and we want to tell you guys to stay tuned for that. You know, we, we're going to be giving you updates on how they're doing uh, on Sundays. But also check your emails, check our social medias, uh, and we will be giving you updates. Uh, but for now, we just want to take just a minute. I'm going to take a minute to pray uh, just over you guys and over Pastor Marvin and the Sowers. Uh, God, we, God, we're humbled. We're humbled by your might and your power. God, I want to thank you for, for Rich, for Allie, for Ben, for Carrie, for Rachel, from everybody from here that went and, and shared the gospel and, and painted, played soccer with the kids. God, we want to thank you for them. We want to lift up Pastor Marvin, God, you know, he's going through a lot of trials. We ask that you, you put him and his family on our hearts this week, God, that no matter what we're doing, <laughs> that you help us to remember him, to pray for him. And God, we ask the same for, for the Sowers in their whole ministry. Um, we know that COVID and all of the repercussions have been hard for them. But God, we know that they are doing your work. That they are not only providing schools and resources and other things for these families, God, but they are providing the gospel. And I pray that you bless them. And God, put it on our hearts today as Life Community Church in Hilliard to answer the call, to sponsor these kids, to pack backpacks, to write letters, to send our funds their way. And God, we thank you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. They walk two, some of the kids walk two hours? Sheesh. I'm sure, and I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sure Rich and Allie and anybody else who went would love to talk more about their experience down in Honduras. So can people find you after the service and ask you questions? Okay, cool. I'm going to head out now. That was good. <coughs> yeah, amen. Yeah, thank them. <coughs> Well, good morning, and um, yeah, amazing work. There's, the Lord is doing, I mean, the Lord is doing amazing things around the world. Um, one of those amazing things is, uh, has been here on Saturday mornings five times over the last few months. Uh, we, started, uh, we started to offer just some opportunities for people to get together to learn more about the Word, um, calling it Renew, like from, from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which tells us to, to be renewed by the transforming, or be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get those right. Uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're inviting people to just spend some, some time focused on our, the way that we, that we understand the scriptures and the way that we think about God and his, his word. And I wanted to share <clears throat> as quickly as possible that we're going to, um, our, our next Saturday morning is the last uh, Saturday for the first phase of these, but the second class that we're going to do, and I'm just going to own it, um, <clears throat> but the second class that we're going to do is, it was announced on email this week, uh, we're going to do a class that is uh, called, um, why, is it, why are we always quoting C.S. Lewis, okay? <clears throat> um, and so we're actually going to take time and invite people to read four different books from C.S. Lewis, up to four, um, and, I, and, and you may have seen the email this week, and I want to encourage um, encourage you to think, to think about what we're doing with this and consider, consider a level of involvement. Um, the first book that we're going to read <coughs> is uh, The Screwtape Letters. Um, it is, uh, it's an examination of spiritual warfare or, or temptation. 
um, from, from the perspective of the, the demonic perspective. So it's a little different. It's one of the things that, that one of the reasons we're always quoting C.S. Lewis is because he thought about issues of life in, uh, in different ways, creative ways. Um, and so uh, about a month from now, in fact, actually, I think it is exactly one month from now, we're going to meet, and we're, gonna, we're switching up. We've done Saturday mornings. We're going to try an, a weeknight. We're going to do Wednesday nights. Uh, so maybe those of you with kids in, in uh, the youth group, you can drop kids off and, and uh, just come on over and join us. But we're inviting you to, to take some time, read a book, and then we're going to have some discussion groups. These books, by the way, this is, this is for our entire church body. These books are available in Spanish. Okay, we are in, we're committed to having Spanish-English groups so that, so that we can discuss these things both in, in English and in Spanish. Um, but, but I want to encourage you the, the, to, to consider that. It's on the website, uh, mylcc.info, and, and uh, it was in the, the weekly email that went out. Um, you can, if, if you can just, you look at the dates and you can come to one of them, come to one. Just commit to read one of these and come, come discuss with us. Um, uh, if you could, can and want to do more than that, obviously do as many as... as uh, you, you feel like you, you can, but, um, but wanted, wanted to just commend that to you before we jump in this morning, that, that um, if, if the extent of what we're doing in community around the word and around theology is right here in these next 30 minutes, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. It's just not enough, okay? It's just not enough. We need time to wrestle with, with the, the truth of the scriptures and, and the truth of our world and, and what God is doing and how we ought to, to see things from his perspective, so... So I wanted to just, uh, to just share that with you this morning before we, we jump in. We've been in the book of James. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn to James 4, we're going to start there in just a few minutes. But I, but I did want to start with, by saying, uh, uh, as, we, as we transition this, or think about this, there's been a debate in my household. Um, it, it goes back a ways. Um, Now I should be good, right? I, is this on the same channel? Okay, all right. So, so that de- the debate has been, um, if, you, if you could get one superpower, what would it be? It's not, a common, it's not an uncommon debate. We talk about this all the time. But, but if, you catch, uh, if you catch one of the Burns kids, uh, you can give them like a human poll. We're not going to put this on Twitter or anything like that. You can give them a human poll. There's some, there's some debate and discussion about, about whether or not, which of, these four, which of these four you would choose, Okay. Would you choose to have stretchy arms? Now, don't vote now because you'll hurt some of my kids' feelings. Stretchy arms. Would you choose super speed? Someone has staked a claim on super speed. One of ours has uh, said, uh, you know, he just wants to shoot things out. Oh, I gave it away. He just wants to shoot things out of his hands. Like, whatever he picks, just shoot it out of his hands. Get thirsty and just shoot some water up in your face, he said. That's great. Um, and then there's always just, like, uh, invincibility, right? Like, just can't be beat. Like, that's, that's a good one, too, always. Um, but, but those, so those have been the four. If you see one of my kids, maybe you can, can kind of like tell them which side you're on and prove that at least one of those is not so great. Um, but, but, but if there was a, on the list of like superpowers in life, okay, I think there's one that we would all long for if we could have it, okay? And it's the ability to see into the future, right? Like the ability to see, look ahead, see what's coming, know what's there, avoid the bad, pursue the good, like it's a big deal. To, to, the future is a, is a reality in our life. The unknown nature of the future causes us anxiety, okay? And the passage we're going to look at in James chapter 4 today deals with how we, how we conceive of the future and how we step into it and what we do as we, as we go into the future. Um, every culture, all the way back, ancient times, all over the world, every culture had, like, some sort of sense of prophecy or fortune-telling. It was a part of the culture. You can find it. In, the, in ancient writings all over the place. And in fact, the Bible itself talks about, about oracles and witches. In, in 1 Samuel 28, King Saul goes to see a witch who reveals, like, <laughs> the future is revealed to him through Samuel, who was at that point dead. Like, there's this, th- th- this, this sort of uh, sense that, like, that looking into the future, trying to grasp the future, trying to figure it out is, is something that people desire that we want to do. And we still have fortune tellers in our, our culture. I'm not so much talking about like the late night, you know, <laughs> madam, whoever, whatever her name is, that, you know, tries to, tries to if, you, if you pay her $1.95 a minute, she'll tell you your future. That's not really what I mean. We pay attention to people that we believe have foresight, right? Like we, we may not call them oracles any longer, but, 
but you know, we, we, we might call them like, uh, uh, like an economist, right? Like an economist is going to tell me, they're going to they're gonna be able to look at the situation and sort of look into the future and see what's going on. Pollsters, right? People, people who, do, who do polling, public polling can tell us what's going to happen, okay? There's actually a, a, a word coined in, in the mid 20th century of the futurist, the person who can just sort of look around and see what the future would hold. And, and, and you know, uh, who, who doesn't want to know what's coming, right? So, so there's, but there's also a, a long history of predictions that, that didn't quite land, right? Um, in fact, just this week, they can't all be right because uh, I, I, I looked at, uh, I was looking at my news feed and one article said, we are absolutely positively headed for a recession like we haven't seen in a generation, okay? And right next to it was an article that said, don't believe all that stuff you're reading about recessions, it's all gonna be fine, okay? Like who's right, who's wrong? They can't both be right, okay? Um, I think if you, would have, if you would have asked just about anybody, no matter what side of the spectrum you're on, if you would have asked anyone on uh, November 7th, 2016, who was going to be president the next day, most probably would have, would have said Hillary Clinton, okay? The pollsters told us something that just wasn't, didn't wind up being the case, okay? We were all sort of geared or braced for something different. Um, in 1995, Robert Metcalf, who was the founder and CEO of the company 3Com, uh, an electronic digital uh, company, he said that the internet is just a fad, kind of famously. The internet is just a fad. And in 1999, he actually took the transcript of that speech, put it in a blender at a shareholders meeting, and liquefied it and ate his words, okay? And 3Com was out of business in 2010, okay? Like, there's all these predictions that go wrong in 1966. Time Magazine, Time Magazine said, tell me if this doesn't describe our, our life right now. Computers will replace human workers. And 90% of us will live lives of government-subsidized leisure. Government subsidized, have those three words ever been put together in any other place, okay? I don't know about you, it's tax season, I just did mine this past week. I would not describe what's going on as government subsidized leisure. And in 1955, Dr. Dr. Lowry McDaniel said that by the year 2000, sniffles and sneezes will be only a memory, that we will have eradicated the common cold, okay? Like we get these things wrong, we make predictions, but we get them wrong, we try to look into the future and see what's going to happen, and, 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 but, but, but more often than not, we don't get it right. We just get it wrong. And, and James says something about that to us. He says something about that to us. He's going to, he's going to reckon with our futures here. And I wanna ask, like, what future predictions, before we get into this text, what future predictions are you holding on to, okay? When you think about what's next, when you think about a year from now, when you, when you sit down and you do that five-year plan, if you're that kind of person, what are you banking on, okay? Is it a, reli a, a, a reliable financial outlook, good, bad, or otherwise? Is it job certainty or uncertainty? Is it physical health? Taking care of your body is going to lead to certain things. Is it a political red or blue wave and the implications that, are, that that has for your outlook on things? Is it a parenting formula? Oh, I'm gonna do this and that and it's going to produce certain things in my family. Is it, is, do you have an orientation around the planet, the environment? And that, that, ha, ha, that gives you an outlook on what's gonna be necessary moving forward and how you're gonna need to live. Those are all ways that we, we conceive of the future and we, we look around for for different experts or different, different paths to try and tell us how to act and how to behave. And as I said, James chapter 4 is going to give us some, some ways to think about this issue of looking into the future, okay, about making plans. And so I want to just read through these verses first before we go back through them. So take a look at James chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 13. James chapter 4, verse 13, it starts by saying this. It says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow... We will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Right? 
as we take a look at this, this section, it's, it's talking to us about planning, about, about looking forward, about, about making a plan. And in fact, it's going to give us a specific plan that, that James is referring to. It's going to give us some insight as to how we do this. And so sometimes, you know, we, we share things from the scriptures and we look at like very practical, like don't do this, don't do that. Very actual, like step by step. Today we're going to ask you, because what James is asking here is he's asking you to rethink the way you think about something. Okay? To, to change the way that we view the making of plans. The, the way that we perceive of what's coming next and how we ought to, to step forward into, into our futures. And so we're going to ask you to just consider things. It's more about how we think and what we say about it. And so I'm going to ask you to just consider these things. And, and, and they're the things that I believe James reveals to us in the passage. And the first thing is this. I, we need to consider our motivation. Okay, our motivation. When we are making plans, what's causing us to do it? When we make plans, why are we making those plans? And the specific plans that we're making, what do we expect or anticipate is going to happen for us? So look at the scenario that James introduces us to. Jump back into it, right? Verse 13 and the first part of 14, he says, Come, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Okay? So look at who, who this scenario that he's referring to. He's saying, look, you can make a plan that, that right away, right now, I'm going to go, I'm going to go from where I am, I'm going to go to this other place, and I'm going to go there because I can make a profit there. I can make a profit. So he says, you're going to go right now, and he gives a specific time. We're going to stay there a year. He doesn't give a specific place. I always think that's interesting, right? We're going to go into such and such a town. Okay, yada yada is the town. Such and such a town. But we're going to stay there one year. Because in one year, we're going to make the profit we need in that place. Okay? So we're going to trade and we're going to make a profit. And James says, but here's the deal. You don't know. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So he goes back to the beginning and says, like, yeah, you're, you can plan that, but you don't know. But he does tell us right away, he tells us right away, that there's an issue, there's an issue with the motivation here. Why, why is this person going? They're going specifically, he says, they're, they're making this change, and their first thought is, how, how can I make more money? How can I get a profit? Now, I want to be careful. I'm not here to say that making a profit is wrong, and in fact, it, it, it's just like part of business, right? Like businesses that don't make a profit don't stay in business very long. The making of a profit isn't the issue, okay? The issue seems to be that the purpose of the move, that the, that the, the, the person that he's referring to or the scenario that he's referring to, it is motivated by, first and foremost, where can I get the most money, okay? Where can I maximize my stuff? Can I get more for me? And he's warning us in this that there's a, there's a problem with that way of thinking. There's, a, there's an issue with that way of thinking. It's, again, it, no one should go into business saying, I hope I don't make a profit. But he says if that's the consideration, that it's, it's sort of like, you, you know, you're going to say this, you're going to do this, but all the best laid plans, you don't know. You don't know. And so if the goal is making a profit, that's, in, in so many cases, it's dependent on things that have nothing to do with you. It's dependent on forces that are beyond your control. And so stepping into a new place for a period of time to make a profit, he says, ah, he says that's probably not the best place to start. That's not a good place to start. So, so he goes on, he's going to give us a second look at this, okay? A second issue. And the second thing he talks about, which it feels a little out of place, right? It feels a little out of place, but he talks about longevity or maybe better word than longevity is the brevity of life. Look at what he says in the second half of 14. He says, what is your life? Okay? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's, that's like, whose life verse is that, right? Like, that's not one of those that we stitch on pillows. Okay? But it's a reality that, that James reminds us of, that he reminds us of. Now, remember also what's important in that first piece of that is that the person making this plan that James is referring to, this person says, I'm going to go and I'm going to give a year of my life to this cause, right? 
I'm going to take a year, one year of my life, and I'm going to give it to the making of profit. And it seems to me like what James is saying here is that, that look, a year actually is a pretty long time when you consider a lifespan, which is a short period of time. A year might feel like a long time. In fact, we have sort of a motto in our house that's been passed down generationally. I can do anything for a year, right? Like, how, how bad could it be? I can do that for one year, right? But when we consider the brevity of life, when we consider how short life really is, the importance of every moment, James is looking at us and saying, like, here's the deal. If, like, this cause of making money, is it important enough to devote your life to? Is it important enough for you to say, my life is about turning a profit? Or is there more to life? Is there something else that we ought to be looking at? And he tells us that there is. He says, <laughs> shocker, right? Like, the Lord has to be another consideration. Now, remember, we have to, to understand this right, we have to look back at the context of James because this is, this is really important. If, you have, if you've been with us, reminder. If you haven't, listen, the book of James was written to, to Jewish believers. So people who had a, a Jewish background, okay, a Jewish background, but, but they, they had accepted Jesus as their Messiah, as their Savior. So you have these Jews, and they were centered around Jerusalem, which is circled on the map. But then what, he, what it says in the very first verse of James is that they're, they're now dispersed all over the place. There had been persecution, and that had forced them out of Jerusalem all over the place. Okay? And, and so he's, he's writing this to these, this, this Jewish audience who's now following Jesus, but spread out in many different cities and many different places. Okay? And so, so they had come to trust Jesus, but they're now dis- dispersed through, through persecution, and they've been forced out of their homes and out of their comfort. And they, they honestly now were probably a bit more nomadic. So I'm going to go from this place to that place trying to make a profit. Now, there's more to it, though, as well, because this is also kind of part of, like, the narrative of, of them as a people. Okay? So look at what he says instead to these people. These people. Instead of, I'm going to go here and make a profit, he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord lives, we will live and do this or that. He doesn't just say, like, if the Lord, if the Lord wills, we're going to make a profit. He says, if the Lord wills, we're even going to live. Like, our life is dependent upon his will. It's dependent upon his hand. It's dependent upon his grace. Okay? So he tries to bring a different perspective. When, he's, when, when James says, remember the Lord in your plans. Remember the Lord in your thinking about the future. He's not just simply saying, like, hey, make sure that, like, when you make your plans, you say the words, if the Lord wills. He's saying, we've got to reframe and rethink the way we conceive of our futures. Okay? And and here's what I mean by this. This idea of dispersion, okay, of being spread out, it was not new to the first century Jews living in Jerusalem who decided to follow Jesus. The idea of being, of being exiled or dispersed or spread around is common to the, to the story of the Jews throughout history, right? It was not new to, to them in the first century. It was part of, like, their ethnic identity, their religious and ethnic identity. And many of us are familiar with this verse from their scriptures in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Like, it's probably been on your social media this week at some point, right? Someone puts a pretty background behind it and puts it out there and says, I know the plans I have for you. This is a life verse, right? Your life is a mist. People are like, eh, but this one. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And look, like that's a great truth to hang on to, right? It's a great truth to hang on to. God has plans. He has plans, and they're plans for your good. Their plans for your good. That's, that, is, that is such a, a powerful thing to bring home and to hang on to. And we're certainly not going to deny it here, but we do need to say something more about it because we need to put it in context. Okay? When we think about including the Lord in our plans and his, his good for us, we have to understand the, where this verse comes from. Because I promise you it's in the thinking of first century Jews. This whole idea of of God spreading his people out, forcing them out, and moving them all over the place was part of their thinking. 
And, and Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, comes in this context. Look at what verse 10 says, just before the one we read, we just read. It says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. So he says, You're, if, if you know the story, Babylon had come in and taken over and had taken them from their land, which was God's promised land to them, to Babylon. He says, when 70 years are done, I'll visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Okay? 70 years. When 70 years are completed, look, even, even given today's longevity of life, 70 years is like a generation or two, right? The promise in verse 11 that God has plans and he's going to work those plans out for his good. And by the way, his good is your good. This is, this is not, this is a 70-year plan that he's writing about. The people that are receiving it at that point in time aren't going to be alive. They're receiving the word. They're not going to be alive to actually experience the good that he's promising. Can we reckon with that? Can we deal with that? When God says, I have plans, and God says, your life is kind of a mist or a vapor that's here and then it's gone, he really means it. He doesn't mean, can you hang in there for a year? He means, I'm at work. I'm doing things that you don't see. And those things are bigger than just you and your story. Now, they're good for you. They are a blessing to you, but you may never see the full blessing of it. And so when you make plans, when we make plans, can we keep in mind, when we think into the future, can we, when we say, when, can we say, if the Lord wills, I'm going to live and do what I'm doing. It's not, that we, it's not that we just stop making plans. It's not that we say, like, no, I'm just going to sit still here because God doesn't want me to make plans. This is not an injunction on plans. This is, this is as you plan, as you go, what's forefront? What comes first? Is the first thought, where can I make the most money? Is that the first thought? Is the first, th first thought, where am I going to be most comfortable? Or is there more to it? Because God's at work. I want to see the rest of this as quickly as we can. Then you will, he says, God says from there, you will call upon me and come and pray to me after 70 years. And I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. He says, I will be found by you. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. You see, the promise of God, good work that God is carrying out, sometimes his good work outlives us. And we don't outlive it. Right? Like, sometimes he's at work in things that we just don't see. And so by faith, can we say to God, God, I, I think this is where you've pointed me. I think you've got me headed this direction. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. But as I go, I'm not leaving you out. I'm going there because I believe this is this is you. It's, it, it's, it's less like God is, look at the last bit there. Sorry, I want to see, um, um, I think it's, sorry, it's in the last verse. Now we're going to keep going. Hold on. Internal monologue coming out. We don't have time. Here we go. Last consideration. Last consideration. Okay? It's humility. Look at what James says here. He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So when we say, you ready for this? We say, I'm going to go, I'm going to turn a profit. I'm going to go, I'm going to make money. I'm going to go, and I'm going to have a good life. Okay? We have a cultural problem, and our cultural problem is that we've justified that, that way of thinking. There's no way around it. I've got a decision to make between A and B. Which one of those is going to pay me more money? That's the right, one, one, one to, right way to go without considering any other factors. Again, it's not, a, it's not that, that having money or, or, or making money is the problem. It's what drives us to make the decisions we're making. It's what pushes us and prompts us down the directions that we're going. Are we considering what the Lord has to say? And what God is saying is this. Oh, you think you're going to head that way. You're going to go there. Do you understand that that's you trying to take control of your life? 
It's you trying to take control of your life. Can we have an ounce of humility in this? Can we realize that, that it's God who keeps, who holds life together? Not the systems of this world, of which money is, is at the top of the list of things that we believe falsely holds the world together. But it's not. So when we say, I'm, I'm going here and I'm doing this, James looks at that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and says, that's evil. He doesn't, he doesn't just sort of say, like, you're mistaken. He says, that's, that's evil. If we, if we go about our lives and we push our plans forward and we sort of like stiff arm God, or what maybe we're more likely to do is we head down our path and then things get screwed up and then we go like, oh, hey, God, come bail me out. I've messed things up. I've made a, I've made a, a, a total disaster here. James doesn't just say like, hey, this is, this, it, this is not good. It's not, here's some advice. He says, look, that's arrogance, and that arrogance is evil. That arrogance is evil. So he wraps up by saying this. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for them it's sin, right? It's sin. Well, what's the right thing here? What's the right thing? Well, check our motivation. Why are you doing what you're doing? On what on what scales am I measuring my life? When I stand at a crossroads and I have to choose one way to go or the other, where do I put my thumb on which side of the scale? What, what do I use to, to determine the direction I'm going to go? Is God even involved at that point? Or do I just assume that because I'm doing it, he's somehow with me magically? Are we even asking the question? God, are you, are you in this? I want, I want to see what you have for me. So where does this show up for us? And I'm going to ask it this way. What is your year? Remember, James says, some of you say, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, tomorrow I'm going to go for a year to this place, and I'm going to make a profit. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trade and make a profit. So what's your year? What's your time frame that you've set on your plans? And what is your profit? What is the thing? Why are, why are you going to that place or going to do that thing for that period of time? What is it that's driving us? Like in the passage, is it job, career, and income? Like just upward and onward, that's what we do, right? I've got, I've, got to, I've got to take this advancement. Why? Well, because that's what you do. You make more money. Was God in that? Did, you, did we ask? Maybe like the passage also, it's a place. We say like, no, I just really want to be in a certain place. Place matters more than all other considerations, so I'm going to go to that place. Was God, is God in that? Is it family? I, God's plan, the next, within the next five years, I'm going to be married. Within the next five years, I'm going to have kids. Within the next five years, I'm going to get my kids into that school, that college. I'm going to do that thing. Why? Have we stopped to question what's motivating us for those things? I'm going to exercise this much. I'm going to do that much because I'm going to live to a certain point. I'm going to, I'm going to reach a certain age, and when I get there, I'm going to have a certain level of health. Look, this might even be ministry. I'm, I'm going to be involved in ministry this way. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be on the mission. I'm going to be a teacher, a, a pastor. I'm going to do, maybe that's, but have we stopped really to say, like, is, is this God's will? Or is it what I desire? And this is, but this is why I can't just for you, I can't give you a formula that says, you know, or a flow chart that says, if you answer this question, this good, if not bad, like, because it, it's messy, because it deals with the motivation in our heart. And I don't have, like, just a detector to point at you and say, like, bad motivation, good motivation. I don't have it. We have to reflect on our own. I can tell you what my year and my profit is. It's true. I'm just, I'm just telling you, this is what it is. I have for many years been faithfully stashing 
so that when I get to a certain point, I can, I can get the thing and I can head out of here. Not here specifically, but like I can hit the road. It's what I want to do. And the desire to do it isn't inherently wrong. We get that? Like, it's not bad to have desires in life, to want to do certain things. The question is, do I have an open hand if God changes it? Am I willing to reconsider it if, if things don't go to my plan? And, and if my plan goes wrong, what's my, what's my posture then towards God? See, this is when we find out what was going on in our hearts when we made the plans. Maybe the worst thing for us is that we make the plans, ignoring God all the time, and we achieve everything we set out to do. Because then we're never confronted with the fact that we've not trusted God all along the way. We just got what we wanted. So, yeah, I, I want to hit a magic number. I, I know the number. It's an age and an amount. And I want to go. What's your year? Right? What's your year? What's your profit? I don't, I don't know what yours are, but what are they? What is it? To wrap up, I want to, because Jesus addressed this. He addressed this when he was confronted with a question about a financial dispute. Jesus addressed this. Luke chapter 12. I just want to close by reading this. And the band can come on up while I read this passage. And I'm going to pray when we finish this. Jesus reads this, this, this he tells this story. And we're, it's in Luke 12. He says, he told them a parable, a story saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? Do you see what he's doing? He's making plans. What should I do next? I have nowhere to store my crops. So he said, I'm going to do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry, get the RV, and hit the road. But God said to him, fool, this night... Your soul is required of you. Life is a mist. Right? Life is a mist. And the th- this night, your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So it is for those who go about making their plans without considering what it is that God has for them in their planning. Can we consider these things? Can we consider our motivation? Can we consider just how little time we have? Can we consider the Lord himself in humility recognizing he holds our lives? Let's pray together. God, thank you again for a chance to look at your word. And um, even when um, I don't like what you tell me, I want to thank you for, for being direct with us, for for being truthful with us. And God, we, um, we want to open our hands uh, in the places where we have things gripped so tightly. We want to we open our hands where we've been, we've been planning, assuming that you're with us or maybe ignoring you altogether. And God, we want to ask that you would walk with us, that you would, you would show us. We, we do want to pursue your will, what, what it is that you have for us. We know that you're with us in the midst of it all. And would you show it to us? God, forgive us. Forgive us of our arrogance in thinking that, um, that we're the ones that make it happen, that we're the ones that achieve our goals without considering your grace, your goodness. And... Um, We pray these things because we know you are real, and we thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen.